Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. I'm Andy Kinnick. And I'm Janelle Vickers. And today, we're going to be talking about Heaven's Vault, which was developed by Inkle, published by Inkle, and was released in 2019 on Windows and PS4, and you've written here, with a Switch port in 2020? Yeah, it says that on Wikipedia, but I think, like many things this year, it got delayed because of COVID. Yeah, we are fast approaching 2021, (laughs) which would invalidate this claim. So, yeah, I couldn't find any updated information on the status of that. Listen, the question mark covers everything. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 2020 question mark circa 2020? (laughs) We cannot be held reliable. The internet said so. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Heaven's Vault, though, is a, uh, what do you want to call it? An adventure game. A linguistics-based adventure space game. (laughs) Yes. No, please keep going. I need more adjectives, and, please. And robot friend simulator. A ro- yeah, a f- robot friendship simulator. Because as we know, robots are going to be very difficult to get along with in the future. Uh, and we played this game f- mostly because it just seemed so very different from like most video games generally <laughs> yeah i saw it a long time ago on like a list of upcoming games at the time mm-hmm. um that you probably haven't heard of like, i think it was an early access then and it just jumped out at me like the visual style and the concepts just you know are very eye-catching i think and so I had it in, like, the back of my brain for the podcast for a while. And also, it seems very up Janelle's alley, so I feel like I recommended it to her. And then I said, point. you fool. I'm already aware <laughs> of this. How dare you? <laughs> you great fool. Yes. I am a great fool. So, uh, yes. As an, as an ex-sort of almost linguist, the closest thing that you guys know as a linguist... I yes, I was accurate, like, yeah. y'all need to play this shit, etc. If if we tried to find an like a, hire an expert to come on to the show, but we were limited to only people that we personally knew, <laughs> you would have been the first person we talked to, even if you hadn't already been on the show before. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> at least at least I know where I stand. You at least yeah. would have had to talk to me to get someone to come on the podcast. So Exactly, yeah. Like, oh, do you know, there's this game that we think you would really like. Can you find us someone <laughs> else to talk to about it? Hey, there are some uh, pretty hotshot linguists out there that I sort of almost kind of know that I have mutual acquaintances <laughs> with that, you know, I could have mm-hmm. maybe not been effectual at all in getting them on the podcast so <laughs> i could have maybe almost flexed nuts for a minute we should have just had janelle get two other people to replace us and they could record a podcast yeah i was gonna say what you would have actually been almost successful in doing was giving us massive imposter syndrome as people who really know what they're talking about uh talk about language uh which i think brings me to the first thing that we should probably talk about with this game uh, which is, this game involves a lot of dialogue, 
and a lot of talking and a lot of reading, but a lot of that reading and talking and dialogue is not in a human language. It is in a representative, symbolic language that over the course of the game, you are tasked with deciphering, like building out a dictionary to be able to actually uh, translate the markings that you find. Uh, they're referred to as ancient in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a million interesting implications as to how this was implemented throughout. And one of the things that I found kind of fascinating was that the language isn't actually solid. Like, it isn't... Like, if you play through the game multiple times, different symbols can have different meanings, and they're on a seed. So you could actually... Some phrases and terms can be different from playthrough to playthrough and won't always mean the same stuff. Uh, and that is... Interesting, kind of both because it makes like replaying the game a more different experience each time, mm -hmm. but also because I felt like when I was playing through, they did such a good job of communicating to the player that I genuinely felt like I understood parts of the language by the end of it. And the idea that that could just be trashed and replaced <laughs> with something new is very heartbreaking a little bit i wanted to be uh finally learn a second language yeah, and that language be ancient yeah. an honorary <laughs> degree in ancient yeah uh, uh yeah you can tell i think the more you play just how like intricate the design of it is or like how complex because there are like multiple different like symbols that could mean different things like i didn't know that that could happen like some of it was randomized uh, but hearing that it kind of makes sense like there were certain words I was like I was like I'm sure this is harvest because of like x y and z and it ended up not being that and now I know that for someone else that word probably was yeah it could have been harvest uh, so yeah there has to be like so many layers to this well but it's because what I think is really smart is it's so weird because as I was doing my research before coming on to talk to you guys, I read, I think it was a Verve article, where I don't know if it was one of the devs or someone involved said, oh, we made a game that linguists will probably, like, really hate, or, like, linguists will hate this, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, was this just, like, a clever, uh, some kind of a, a PR stunt to be like, oh, we made a game about linguistics that linguistics will hate, and I'm like, I thought this was fucking great, and I thought it was really smart, because the way that, if you're looking at it from, you're looking at a dead language, and what you know about the language is what little information you have historically, you're going to make judgments and interpretations about that culture, and what they would have been talking about, and what they would have recorded. So in your translations of these words, if you think that they're a warlike society you might translate a word differently than someone who viewed them as peacekeepers or as you know kings or as politicians you know so there's that slight variation of you as Aaliyah Aaliyah being pr that's how I was pronouncing it <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what it, I think it is it of course because I studied Arabic I'm like Aaliyah and I'm like you idiot just let it go but um but so basically yeah the idea that 
we know that language is shaped around a people's culture and that culture also shapes the language. So in trying to rebuild knowledge of a culture and simultaneously rebuilding a language that is literally been exterminated, we find out, you know, you're, you're kind of filling in the gaps of both. So if you do translate a word as death, and then you see a similar word coming up, you might be like, well, this means dying or dead. But depending on how you translated that first phoneme, that first set of glyphs, will affect then all of the other conjugations of the same word throughout the game. So um, I, th I thought that was really clever, because you're playing a character that is... I think no matter how you play her, a pretty rash and judgmental individual. So she's yeah. mm -hmm. she's making a lot of judgments about the culture that she's encountering by the words that she's translating. And then she's also affixing meaning to those glyphs based on what she sees in the environments around her. So I thought that was a, a really interesting way of showing how language both shapes and is shaped by perceptions. Yeah, it reminds me of that one part from the movie Arrival, where I didn't I don't remember the exact quote uh, or what exactly is going on in the scene, but she talks about how like we don't know that this word means weapon; it could very well be tool. Uh, so like it, it's that same kind of concept of like ha your relationship to the culture or your view on what it was like will affect the way that you interpret the words, and it's really smart how the game like incorporates that and i'm curious like as you just brought up it's something i hadn't thought about too much is like the way you translate the words seems like it might even like impact your dialogue options like what you would say about the things that you find yeah it, it definitely affects the the dialogue as it plays out whether or not it affects your choices or not i'm not 100 percent sure uh there seemed to be a ton of work that went into making the the individual branches in each like little story tree very diverse uh there are a lot of different things that you can have happen and a lot of different kind of subtle changes uh that can occur in each conversation and each thing like that uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if your translations also played a role in that. But I know that, like, there are assumptions that your character will make and then take into other conversations with other people based on what your translations are, even if they aren't, like, complete in the sense that the game has, like, told you that the word is correct. So I know on the uh, the planet that has, like, the big dish with the gravity well in it, the upstream... Um, you can translate what's on that, like the hatch mm -hmm. to, to something, something about like the, the river and mm -hmm. it'll trigger this whole conversation about rivers and where they come from. And then you can take that information and go back to Eberus. Oh, Elbereth. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what did you say? I, I think it was a a D and D plane. Okay, Everon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said Everest. For I, a you, you take it back to Mount Everest, <laughs> and you meet your mountaineering tech friend, uh, 
there and you can ask her about what where she thinks the rivers come from mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't yield a whole lot but it's an entire conversation that you can have that is based on a translation that you made that the by the game's own admission you don't know if it's accurate or not and i i really liked that and i liked how much the language element of this game played into the other elements. Well, and that was one thing that I felt like I was getting rewarded by the game, but I also wanted to participate in as many conversations as I could. Even if those conversations were just bouncing ideas off of your robot, whether in the form of Six or in the form of NK, Um, but just being like, where do you think the rivers come from? And the robot being like, that's a dumb fucking question. <laughs> and me being like, yeah, but what if it's not a dumb question? And so it's it's lore building as far as the world that the game is creating, which is this huge, I think, really expansive, lore-rich environment. Um, but it also does inform the way that you move through the game. So just as an example there, at the very, very beginning... Um, you run into one of your university friends who's like the librarian and there's an optional conversation you can have and he talks about the fact that robots were buried in the walls at Iox and then you're given a chance almost immediately afterwards to do one of your first translations and I was like I don't know any of this. How am I going to possibly translate this phrase? And then I was like, well, maybe because I had that conversation, the game is trying to like signal to me or like give me an idea. And so I was able to translate that phrase correctly about the the robots and blah, 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 because the game rewarded me for either exploring further or like asking questions or, you know, taking the time to talk to this guy where I could have just as easily been like, fudge off you fuck i gotta get off this moon (laughs) um but you know so that was something that like from the very beginning i was primed by the game to say okay i will learn more about the world by translating and i will be able to translate more easily and probably with fewer mistakes by talking to people and exploring the world okay got it like from the beginning you were set up to have this understanding of the more you learn about the world like the easier those kind of game mechanics will be. Yeah. And, and I think that this game does like a uniquely good job of creating that sense of, I, I say uniquely and then JJ is going to yell at me because <laughs> uh, Return of the Overdin is a game that happened, but I was not on that cast. So you, that's true. But you, you did play the game though. I did. Or like you were around while the game was being. Oh played. no. Let me tell you something. Daniel would still uh-huh. be stuck on the poop deck. <laughs> examining some shades without me. I was the true brains of that operation. Okay. So yeah, you were the brains of the operation. Oh, of I, I was the brains of the Overden. But anyway, <laughs> so it's, uh, so similarly to Overdin, this game does a really good job of creating like that actual sense of like I'm using my own gray matter to process this information and create like my conclusions because it gives you just enough hints and also lets you move on without being 100% certain about stuff uh, that when you do get to a point where you feel like, oh, 
duh, the the apostrophe symbol means of. So if there's an apostrophe before a thing, it's probably possessive. And then you go back and you feel like you invented the English language, right? As you fill out all of the other things that you you had tried before. And, uh, and the X is like a negative, so it's not. Right. Yeah. Or and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah and you do get a really strong sense of that i think like i also um like janelle talk to everybody like every time i come back from a site i would go everywhere and talk to everybody because it always felt like there was a bunch of stuff i might miss like i had it really like almost kind of similarly to uh, like west of loathing like it felt like the possibility space was huge and like stuff could be happening all over that i'm just missing in this game to me because like, i know i went back to uh elbereth and talked to i think her name's like ori or like ori or, or something or. like that or, yeah um who works on with the robots and the mechanical stuff and like i talked to her about the one planet that had all or the moon that had all of the statues of the gods um and you had to have like six had to go over like a bookshelf ramp to get out there right that planet um and I brought her back there with me and, like, had this whole big thing. Uh, and I know that you didn't no. do that. And I was like, it seemed like a really big, important, like, thing. <laughs> and then you can just totally miss it. And I know early on I missed the funeral. I didn't uh, go back like, for Renba's the funeral. funeral. Yeah, I just completely forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> uh, I wonder what happened with that. So, like, I think there's, like, significant stuff you can miss. And I always had that feeling... Uh, in like the back of my head, like it's, it really felt like a living uh, universe within this game to me. Yeah, I uh, I did go to that funeral, but I think what I'm learning is that in the universe of this game, I am that guy, like the dead guy, uh, uh-huh. because rather than talk to a lot of people and make lasting friendships, <laughs> I went off on my own like a insane person floating for hours in space reading a book in a language I don't know. Uh, so I was like the crazed madman. I I did go back and like I did some more like humanitarian things. I freed that worker guy who injured himself. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh t- you know i talked to people when i felt like it would benefit me but i <laughs> i could not be fucked to go around and to every planet between every event and but did not do it to be clear somewhat at inkle i was found it was buried in some blog post somewhere has said that at least one person has completed the game without doing any relevant story content. Like, that, <laughs> they just sat on the map and sailed the rivers and stopped at ruins and found the major moons that you have to go to. And, like, that's it. It was just them and Six floating out there and then they found the <laughs> Withering Palace and they solved the, the river puzzle and shot themselves out there to Heaven's Vault and they they did it. It was all done, so... It's feasible. And they said... Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that is possible. Oh, I think they also said in that same post that at some point they were looking into doing just like basically a cruising mode where you didn't have to have a set destination when sailing that you could just 
noodle around on the rivers and see where you ended up. So that could that could mm-hmm. be the that could be the Chad Rutherman approach of just fishing yeah. uh, fishing I, sh- fishing shit out of the rivers, translating, yeah. going back yeah. over your dictionary, continuing to mm, sail, yeah. shooting the shit with six, <laughs> you know. I'm really surprised the game works that way because I always assumed the parts that you didn't have filled in on the on the chart or the map were would just be like locked off, like you couldn't go to them if you tried to sail like they- around. I never encountered a roadblock uh, when I was playing. Yeah, I never tested it. I just assumed it worked that way. There were times when it was like, you can go to these three different places, and then I would have a thing that was like, we found a cup that points (laughs) to maybe somewhere in this three-mile vicinity there might be something of interest. And it was like, the other options were like, go talk to the professor lady, or go here and talk to that like scumbag dude in the who sells shit toppy and i was like yeah yeah toppy. you guys like, you guys love proper names don't you oh yeah <laughs> go talk oh, to professor lady and uh scumbag dave and <laughs> yeah. uh oh, it's also been like two and a half weeks since i played this ro- game, robot so. friend lady and uh yeah. <laughs> that professor who just hangs out in space and yeah and the space <laughs> professor the dead man uh but yeah, and so I just was like, I'll go in the aimless wandering direction rather than fly back to a planet. Yeah, I think it was like early on, um, you have like a you have to find like you find these two artifacts that you think I think come from the same place and then it like overlaps this space on the map and it's like, Oh, the planet or the moon must be in here uh, and then you're able then you go and you sail to it. So yeah. I just kind of assumed you needed enough information to be able to sail to places and never like try to just free roam. But I, I think that's awesome that you can. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what she was talking about with what the developers wanted to implement was now in order to sail, you have to like say I'm going here, but right. that doesn't mean that you can't just turn right and go somewhere, and go somewhere else. Somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did at least for one of the sites. It's it was mm-hmm. the one that was kind of like south of Ranaki, which was the Merchant Moon, right? Mm-hmm. With the scumbag the robot guy, yeah, yeah, the library, which mm-hmm. infuriated me because I ran out of oxygen right before I got to the book. <sighs> Ooh. Uh, yes, no. but um, so I I knew that there was probably something there in that little area on the map, so I just set a destination for Elbereth or whatever, and just continually missed my turns as I Mm -hmm. made my way up there. And then as I was on my way, I encountered ruins that got me that sort of general area to go to. So I think that's a feasible, a a feasible option is just to kind of head to that area. And there was nothing, no other sites left for me to find. And so the game Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, you're probably looking for this. Have a cup. (laughs) And I'm like, Thank you. Yes, you're correct. Love that. Love that cup. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did. The mm, uh, mm, I'm like I'm fighting myself in my brain here because like I wanted to launch it and talk about the language and the translation because obviously it's a big focus of the game and also because I super did not want to start the podcast by being like, "Man, is sailing the worst thing I've ever done in my whole life." You didn't like it. <laughs> We're definitely verging now into that conversation. Well, listen, uh, I'm I'm not done talking about the language. You brought that's good. an ex-linguist on the podcast. We're going to circle back to it. 
So we might as well circle endlessly in the streams of the discussion of the streams. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think I think the main reason that I did not do what everyone is insinuating, including myself, uh-huh. that I would do, which is just sort of float around and look for cool shit, uh, which conceptually is my favorite thing about this, is that you are essentially given a really open-ended quest uh, at the beginning of translate this language and then they give you really specific quests as well like go find what happened to this dude go find the library go find the go find heaven's vault uh-huh. but the idea of just tooling around in space until you find like some interesting shit and having that like help your overall goal of like being able to translate all of the other stuff that you found was really interesting to me and something that I absolutely loved. The act of being on the Mockingbird, the Nightingale. <laughs> I know. I got it. I'm trying to. That was its sister ship, yes. the Mockingbird. The Mockingbird and the Nightingale. Uh, <laughs> was a horrible experience pretty much the entire yeah. time. I-, I knew that you would hate it. Yeah. Uh, it-, it does control kind of clunkily, but I feel really similarly about it as I do to, like, the gummy ship from Kingdom Hearts, where a lot of people like to shit on it and talk about how it's not, like, super good or fleshed out and kind of cumbersome. Mm-hmm. But, like, I love that it's there. Like, I like being able to like sail a ship between planets and like what that adds to the experience. Like it actually feels like you're traveling through space and you don't just like warp to planets. But why? But the way that it controls is very hard to do well. And then if you like, go towards a rock, it like auto moves you to the side and it feels weird. So I, I get your complaints, but those kinds of things historically don't bother me as much as they do you. Yeah, I felt like it should have either had a lot more input or a lot less input. Uh, I I loved that if you're going somewhere that you've already been, you can just have six do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did it 100% of the time that it was offered to me. Uh, and like that, cause, because it is, it's so mushy to do anything and the dialogue occurs and it talks for its duration and then it will tell you about a turn you should take <laughs> and i'm like i've already i took the turn the wrong turn 6 minutes ago while you were still talking about like you waxing philosophical about the fates and shit and i and what you need to say is oh make a right here if you want to keep searching and make a left for a huge detour that takes 15 minutes and i was just like left hand rule and went the <laughs> left way i think that doesn't work huge... as well in space no, it super but, doesn't <laughs> but i mean there were the little kind of foggy arrows that were in the right place so like even if there... Six didn't tell you. You could be like, uh-huh. oh, okay, I guess I gotta go this way. And then you would go <laughs> and do the thing. The arrows are only there if you're navigating to a specific location. Oh, so you're you talking about noodling. The noodling. Yeah, the noodling. Because he'll, what he'll say is, don't turn this direction. Right. Or like, this will put us back on the rivers. Mm-hmm. Right. And what you and you want to stay sort of in like the un, the unknown shores. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So I felt like I wasted a ton of time mm. just yeah. getting back on track. Yeah, there was one in particular, uh, like one noodling spot like that, <laughs> where I missed a turn like several times because Six was just talking about something else. Yeah, <laughs> it's really but, infuriating. Yeah, that was the only time that it was really an issue for me. I don't. Maybe I'm a psychopath, but I thought it was really relaxing. <laughs> Daniel got me a wireless keyboard for my birthday, and I was just uh-huh. like, mouse one hand keyboard the other <laughs> hand just going and, and and i would tab a lot because tab would bring up the map so even if you were in a noodly spot i would be like okay so where where do I, okay i'll need to turn got it yeah I also also i feel like until i i feel like six warned me adequately i don't know maybe you just really pissed <laughs> your, maybe you pissed your six off and he had a lot to say i don't know yeah I didn't That's realize, a whole other yeah. conversation. I didn't realize you could, like, actually pull up and navigate with the map until, like, over halfway through the game. Mm. I was like, oh, this is, like, way useful yeah. in these situations where I can actually just look at where I'm going. <laughs> I I did use it. I didn't love using it. Um, as far as maps go, this is very middle of the road for me. I feel like the map itself is fine i think that the act of bringing up the map screen almost crashed the game half the time because it would like the timeline like flies by in a well, that's only like, if you scroll down to where the timeline is and then like she and uh the characters standing up there talking and the dialogue covers the bottom half of the map i'm just like there's so much i just want a map like i feel like a mini map Something that we talk about normally not liking because it's immersion breaking and doesn't mm-hmm. let you focus on what is the best part of the sailing, which is the cool atmosphere. The fact that they did all of these like skyboxes and the background design where it really does, even though you're on sort of a flat plane, it does feel like you're really floating through space with like the cloud cover and stuff blocking off paths. But I think the minimap would have been overall a positive. Because then I wouldn't have to open the map, have it come up, have the dialogue play, have me See, move I feel, the map all around. I feel like you were doing something wrong with the map. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure you could just open it, look at it, yeah. and put it away. Think, and the timeline wouldn't come up, nor would dialogue happen. Yeah, there was there was maybe a different... Was there a dedicated map button yeah. that like wasn't when were, the when same you... one that opened like yeah. the screen I'm talking about? Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it was like press in on the the weird touchpad on the PS4 controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just like, while sailing, there was a button that would just like pull up the chart and you could just look at yeah. it. Yeah, that's the button I hit. Yeah. I don't know what else you were doing. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Because I, I do remember at different times usually, like, being on a planet, pressing something, and then the whole timeline and everything would come up. But I think it was, like, a dedicated, hey, you want to look at the timeline? Or you want to look at where this event took place in the timeline? And it would come up. Right, yeah. I don't know. I thought the whole, I liked the whole sailing experience. As someone, <laughs> like, the first time that I had to sail, I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. Like, I don't want to have to worry about fucking crashing in a rock or missing a turn or whatever so the fact that it was like hey boop boop why don't you go around this rock or like (laughs) hey dumbass you missed your turn hit backspace to reset i was like oh thank you very forgiving for me it was like a relaxing mini game they had a reset button yeah and uh i almost never fast traveled because i wanted to have conversations with my robot out of the three of us i put the most 
hours into the game, I think. I don't know how long you played, Chad, but just comparing my Steam history with Andrew's, we were almost neck and neck, and then I pulled away a little mm-hmm. bit at the end. But yeah. um, I also looked at your stuff, and you had like a couple more achievements than me. <laughs> So you you were more thorough too. I did I did get the uh, master or whatever the highest linguist level was, and I was like, see, did that's you a- not? No, I don't think so. All right, we can now loop back to language. I language, guess. yeah. So um, I I would get so fucking hype when the screen would cut to Aaliyah holding something, and she would have her hand mm-hmm. in that particular position of. Yeah, finger lightly extended, like looking at something with a furrow brow, because I'm like, yes, it's time to fucking translate. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> and because I <laughs> I played the game kind of piecemealy, so I started it. And then you guys said you were going to be doing it for the podcast. So I kind of put it on hold a little bit and then played it a little bit for like a week or so. And then I think Thanksgiving happened or something. And then I came back and finished it off. And so my concern after the first break was, oh, like, how much of this am I going to lose as far as, like, what my actual real-life gray matter dictionary of words had? And so I thought it was really mm-hmm. helpful that any time you were looking at a new word or unfamiliar word or phrase, well, they had kind of, like, two, basically, translating minigames. One where words you had already translated would populate the bottom of the screen and they would sometimes be the right words sometimes be similar words sometimes just include articles or prepositions like of and at whatever and then there would be a whole string of seemingly indecipherable text and you would have to kind of like drag and drop the right words and phrases into the right place and then there were the ones where you had to base your guesses on what entirely new words were from similar words you had in your dictionary. So there might be a glyph, and then related words, because they had the same symbols, could be like sun and life and, I don't know, nebula, question mark? Because that was a word you thought you knew and you guessed on, but it isn't 100% sure. And so then you have to base your guess on this new word from those related words that you may or may not have right. And so I thought it was clever that not only were they testing your ability to find new configurations of of glyphs that you already knew as if letters in a word, but also what the relationship between these words in this culture would be like so is death related to release or is death related to loss or is death related to pain so the way that you kind of create this word family based on the way that glyphs are used in similar words kind of what we were talking about how you're building your understanding of what this culture was going through their highs and lows and their downfall and their you know, like, what cultural significance these objects had and, like, what they were used for. I thought it was interesting how they, they had kind of both of those things. So is it fill in the blank? And then is it, like, creating these sort of word families? Right. I, I want to, like, because I I've also love the translation. It was my favorite part of the game by a pretty big margin. And 
the creating of word families thing I want to hone in on because I feel like they do a really good job of getting across the like written aspects of the language uh, in in terms of like using symbols and stuff in a way that like logically makes sense to somebody who has not studied language uh, just like general audience understanding of what symbols could mean in like certain things I felt like the related words hint bubble at the top mm-hmm. was a little bit cheating a lot of the time like it would just say like this word is similar and you look at it and you're like i would have never thought that those two words are similar uh, really? but you can use that as a hint to still be like oh this thing is if it's related to life but it has an x in front of it, it's probably death yeah i feel like it's a necessary guiding hand um, you're probably right yeah and yeah. like and i found there were times where it like I felt like it threw me off as well. So I felt like there was a kind of balance there that I enjoyed. And you could always contextualize it in your head as maybe like six is giving you the suggestions or something. Like I kind of thought of it that way. I did. I hated when, so when you get a word correct, it'll be like, like when you've, uh, I'm when sure you put of this translation in. now. Yeah. And she's, Oh, I'm sure of this translation. I got this for sure. And I was like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> Love that. And then sometimes Six would be like, you can be sure of that translation. And I'm like, shut the fuck <laughs> up, Six. <laughs> Are you, you don't have a human brain. You're not the translator. Well, actually, he does have a human brain. Okay, you got kind of a human brain, but like, lay off. This is my shtick. <laughs> I hated it, Six taking my thunder. Uh, when when I was solving translations, but that's a pretty minor point. Well, I just again another minor but sort of related point. Your favorite dirtbag artifact dealer and stealer and wheeler, Toppy. Mm-hmm. Whenever you'd be translating in his shop, you'd be like, oh, I think this says this, but you know I can't be sure. I can check it out later. He would interject with things like that could be anything. Like those are just <laughs> those are just squiggles. You could you could tell anyone what that meant, and I'd believe it. Like th- that means nothing. Okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I love like. <laughs> I always felt like he felt super sketchy, like so much to the point where it felt like it was setting up for some like him like screwing you over, or betraying you in some way. I got trapped into a weird dialogue tree with him where. <laughs> I see. I felt like I had no way to not tell him about the kid that I found. Oh yeah, uh, and th- yeah, and then he was like, "Well, where is he?" And I had to take the option that was like, "I'll go to my grave before I tell you this information." <laughs> and it just became this very hostile relationship very quickly, where I just wouldn't let this dude know about this kid because I just didn't like what his intentions were. <laughs> Well, it's probably for the best because this is another this is another good example of the branching storylines. So basically you go to this abandoned market moon. Mm-hmm. You find this little boy who thinks he's a pirate and you're like, "Hey, where did you come from, my boy?" Like, doesn't he think he's dead? He thinks he's dead because he yeah. said a word that activated the hopper on Elbereth and it transported him there. And is feeding him, I guess, by transporting <laughs> fresh fruit to him, and yet won't send this little boy back from isolation. <laughs> anyway, 
So I mean, choice... I would have been, that would have been an ideal situation for me. If I was on Elberet, <laughs> of oh, yeah. all fucking places, I would rather be living on alone on the fruit buffet planet <laughs> like 10 times out of 10. Well, so then basically you take him on the ship. Well, you can either just say like, nah, he belongs to this moon now, bye. Or you can like hunt him down and take him back on your ship and be like, where do you want to go, boy? And he's like, I don't know. I've been on that moon since I was a baby. What's out there? <laughs> and so you could be like, well, you're from Elbereth, so I guess it's time to take you back to the hell planet. Or, like, <laughs> do you want to go to this super cool place where you can live with pigs and you think that they talk to you in your dreams? But that's obviously the option I went with is... Yeah, he, same. He gets raised by pig farmers and he thinks the pigs are talking to him because he's dealing with some severe PTSD. But... Yeah. I took the him other. to Elbereth. Well, yeah. You could take <laughs> him to Elbereth. barkeeper. And he is the law and order candidate of the No Clip podcast. Yeah. Well, taking... Well, that's the thing. You could take him back to Elbereth and give him to the kindly, sort of creepy dude who would have married you and also tries to get you drunk a lot. But, like, overall... Definitely creepy. <laughs> Definitely creepy. Kind of, a net, kind of a net positive for the boy, I guess, overall. Or you can take him to Toppy... Who, like, apparently interrogates him. Ooh. Yeah, like so that. I mean, I definitely prefer the outcome where he's a little bit crazy and lives in the pigsty. <laughs> At least the moon is verdant. I don't even know how crazy he is, because, like, he does write ancient in the mud with a stick. If yeah. you go back and talk to him. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, there's no reason that he would know those things. I don't know if the pigs legitimately told him that. <laughs> I think, no, I think that there's, yeah, there's like an ancient hopper or some kind of ancient magic that's right. going on there. And he just thinks it's the pigs. But also I think he has some pretty severe PTSD uh, from getting abandoned on a fucking moon as a baby. Because he got sucked through a gate after saying a quote unquote bad word. Like imagine, just imagine, you're trying to get in your apartment, you drop your keys, you say, ah, fuck. And then all of a sudden you get zip zap zopped to an abandoned moon. And every right. once in a while the moon spits some fruit at you, which keeps you alive. <laughs> and also you're like five. Yeah. I was going to say that I thought that he got the fruit from trees on the moon, but then he also had bread. So that yeah. had to have been coming through the hopper. Yeah. yeah. He said that if you, if you investigate that moon, there's like a room. That moon was... Uh, Pretty disappointing to me as the aspiring linguist because there was not a lot of text to translate, mm -hmm. but there were a ton of these like little conversations. And uh, he talks about how like the food just like showed up mm. and they put it in, yeah. in this thing. I could have swore that though that I examined some apples and it was like from the tree over there. They, yeah, that also does yeah. happen. But so. anyway, this isn't important, right? Well, but, but it does make for a good movie though, where you get sucked, your apartment sucks you onto the to a moon, moon, and yes. then it's like a like the castaway. Yeah, it's like a castaway <laughs> yeah. movie. And then the alternative is you give the kid to the bartender and then they make the Elberithian version of Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does he does use children to like steal things for him the barkeeper does but the kid seems like he's into it so he, he was acting like a pirate it does seem like his kind of lifestyle so it's, i guess as long i just had to threaten the barkeeper to like not let anything happen to him and then i felt my conscience clean yeah 
Well, so I wanted to ask. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm sure whatever you were about to say is more important than. Well, let's talk about those my... feet. <laughs> I was just. I was going to pivot to a different subject. To, to here. feet. To those feet. Not. It was. It was not to feet. No. Well, see. So it's probably better than what I was going to say, which was, "Hey, how about them feet?" <laughs> I might be able to work the feet in. We'll see what oh, happens. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> all, all right. Uh, but no, I want to talk about um, the, di- like, your character's dialogue and the amount of choice that you actually have, both in action and in what you say. Because I was, and this could be a me thing, and I fully anticipate it being that. Yeah, me too. Uh but I felt like the story was constantly pulling me in a direction with the character dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go in another direction that wasn't as like really harsh toward everyone. Like I felt like even especially in the beginning, like there's and I understand they're trying to characterize your character. Uh-huh. But a lot of the things that you say are really standoffish yeah and in like an uh, upsetting kind of a way so even at the end when we're talking about this kid and we're going to take him to the farming planet Mm -hmm. that was like an option i had but like it's never the reason i took him there is because throughout the whole game the impression that i was getting was that elbereth is a nightmare planet for the for everyone's life to be ruined on and Throughout, though, your character is still proud of their heritage. Like, I love that I am from this place with slavery on it. Like, it's like I'm trying to distance myself from it, but the character will not, even when I make strides specifically to avoid it. Well, yeah, I kind of agree. Um, early on, it there's a lot of like. She's characterized as being very, like, like antisocial, almost, or, like, yeah, like I said, standoffish and, like, not really liking people. And, like, especially with robots, like, with Six, she's kind of just like, oh, yep, just another, the sixth robot I got. Let's see how long he lasts. Uh, so I always kind of tried to steer her towards being nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's just video game rebelliousness like i'm gonna do the opposite of what you're trying to do here uh and i think it actually kind of worked towards the end like i i ended up getting a lot more like chill and cool friendly dialogue options with six and like so i don't know how much your the way you your decisions impact that stuff but i i had some similar opinions but i guess it affected different parts of like the dialogue and stuff for me specifically well i i think it is at least intended to distance yourself from the protagonist it's it's kind it is a role-playing game but it's not it's definitely not like an open-ended like she very much has a character and a past and a backstory and i think it works with the overall like world building that has happened so there is freedom in your interpretation of the world around you and of the past, but there is so much lore and history baked baked into it. And I'm, as everyone knows, 
the chronically nice person in RPGs. Like I can't even I can't even be mean for for the hell of it. It really is upsetting to me. <laughs> um, awful good. Yeah, but Renegade I mean, Janelle is not yeah. a, is not a thing that happened. No, but uh, Paragon Janelle. Oh yeah, it's disgusting. Um, but <laughs> I I think you can play her as kind of like someone who went on this adventure and and learned some lessons and grew along the way and made a robot friend. But there definitely were at the end still options of being like, "Fuck you, six. Also, I'm gonna sell you to this dude. See ya." Yeah. Like. Yeah, they never went away entirely. I sold six. Did you? Did you really? <laughs> I didn't I think it would six. let me do it. It was okay. such an interesting choice. Okay, that's fair. And also, I was right. It didn't let me do it. Okay. He uh, apparently, and I didn't know this, so this was blind luck. <laughs> if I was, if this was, if I'm inhabiting the fiction, this was a blind luck thing because I didn't know this. Uh, you cannot pass ownership of six because you aren't his like primary primary user whatever yeah Yeah. so i uh i did sell him assuming that something was gonna come up and it would be like a funny scene but then you just walk away (laughs) and he isn't there and you're like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh so i went back and the dude was like nice try and then the rest of the conversation just happens. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. I hate you for that. I love Six. <laughs> oh, he's my precious robot son. I love him so much. His little faces. I would call yeah. Daniel out to the living room and be like, Daniel, Daniel, look at his grumpy face. And he'd be on the screen just like, mm, mm. like, yeah, that, that like went perfect upside down you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so good because I'd be walking around like Elbereth and he's like, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, six, we have to be here. And I'd look at him in the background and he's just like motoring along <laughs> with that <laughs> deep frown. Oh, it's so good. But uh, I mean, I did allow him to be transformed into the Empress. I guess his true form. We learned that six is not just our little robot friend, but is instead this stone-cold first empress of Iox, and uh, apparently she was lurking in there the whole time. And I'm like, oh, Six, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> yeah, I, I let her um, him transform into her as well, but then I immediately regretted it. Like, I thought there'd be a way to, like, switch him back. I think and he... then we we went to... You go back to... Um, Iox. To Iox, and then the... Uh, Professor... Whatever, yeah, the professor, professor or whatever. Yeah, there you go. You just ask her to like order him to go back to being six, and then he does. But, Interesting. But I wanted to keep her because even though I missed my my robot friend, and now I have a woman in a robot form who calls me like street rat and wastrel. And <laughs> I love the peon. hologram hair mm-hmm. that's in there. Like that's I think that's a great touch. Got all this information I don't have. <laughs> But, in uh, my playthrough, six was six, the robot who didn't appreciate the fact that he was 
alone and also <laughs> named in a very expendable way. And then in the end, the very last robot in the nebula. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, no, you mistreated six. I didn't intentionally mistreat six. He just interpreted everything I said as me dunking on him. Now, what was I saying? Oh, right. So I didn't change six back because I was like, hey, she was there for all of the things that I want to know about. And I'd be like, hey, Empress, can you translate these things? And she's like, fuck no, I had scribes for that. And I'm like, <laughs> I miss my friend. I want six back now. Yeah, it, it did seem like an interesting uh, decision to like just leave him as the Empress, but I, I wasn't having it. I almost kind of like the world in which they don't even give you the option so that the people who really go above and beyond get shed on the hardest <laughs> by the game. Here it is like, no, nope, you I know that you made inroads and became good buddies with this robot, but he's gone forever now. <laughs> like it's a real meaningful character death in a way. Yeah. Well, it is interesting if you make it to the end of the game with the Empress. I don't know what Six's dialogue was like, but there is a bit at the end of the game where you basically think you're past the point of no return. Like you'll never see your friends again. Professor Mayari, who thinks that she's your mom. Womp womp. Uh, and basically, there's there's a bit of dialogue you can have where your buddy, Huang, 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 yeah, Huang. I called him Huang. Oh, I, I said Huang. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Huang. But either way, your buddy the librarian. Potato, potato. Yeah. Potato, Tang, potato. Yes. <laughs> Chad's good buddy, potato. Who would help him translate texts and then leave the library for 30 minutes, go to the corner of the map. He's gone for so long. <laughs> you had to go take your cup to the curators. The curators yeah. would be very interested in this. Uh, I'm sure they would be more interested in all the other stuff that I have to give to them. But there's a bit where you're where you think that you are never going to be back there again, and you're like, oh. Wong always promised me he'd tell me about Ma's Y, the this lady in his book, and oh, I wonder when he'll realize that I'm dead. And the Empress is like, that man would have been your slave if you asked him to. It's the best that you're not coming back. And I'm like, Empress. Stone cold. <laughs> and then there's a, there's another bit where she's like, do you wish that you had stayed on Elbereth and married uh, the bartender? I can't think of his name the bartender and she's like the what bartender? she's like he didn't actually mean that he wanted to marry me and she's like oh no he meant it men don't joke about marriage i'm like empress we could have been chilling like this <laughs> having hot goss about all the male characters in this game and now all of a sudden you decide to like be friends where before you were like hey dummy you better turn left up here like <laughs> <laughs> okay in the the final scene of the game spoilers <laughs> i mean isn't isn't this i mean come on yeah maybe a little late for that but uh, uh -huh. in the last scene of the game if you have the empress does she still turn into an eagle yes 
Okay, May, all right, just wanted to make sure, because I felt like that would have been the moment that it would have made the biggest difference. No, for she's still... somebody who didn't care about what Six was saying <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I thought you would love Six, because he's a robot. Robots are cool. I mean, that Baseline. is true. And I, I am a 90s kid. Hashtag only 90s kids. And we do love robots inherently, so... I don't know. We might get into it in a bit. Yeah, I'm on hashtag Team Six. Seal Team Six. We, uh, I'm on Seal Team Seal Six. Team it's just led by him. It's like a bunch of Marines <laughs> and like a little robot. Oh, Slowly. <laughs> Andy, Christmas is Seal coming Team, up. Seal Team, you must turn left. <laughs> Christmas is coming yes. up. Please get me a beautiful artist's rendering of six leading seal team six like on that horrible mining planet with that dopey grin on his face my beautiful son <laughs> that's the, the the smile or the frown which one would be more appropriate oh it's got to be the frown because he's serious he's in battle he's concentrating <laughs> uh so do we want to talk more about the game and the plot and the plot after, After the, the break. break. Yes. <laughs> you see, I just said it, and then you did an upward inflection like it was a question. So, uh, yeah, when I answered the question, yeah. yeah, it was it was planned, and it was executed, just like SEAL Team. Six. Just like SEAL Team. <laughs> Tact and precision. Mm-hmm. All right. Da 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 da. Welcome back. Uh, man, we did do a lot of talking already. I just have so many what thoughts. We... No one ever asks yeah, my true. opinion on things, Chad. This is my only <laughs> outlet. Your entire quarantine has just been you sitting just stark still on a couch being like, man, I wish somebody would ask me about anything. <laughs> Literally right anything. Uh, I don't even know linguistics. I just taught myself over quarantine. Yeah, by playing Heaven's Vault, educational video game. Uh, okay, so I had two big things, and I'm sure that you have notes, because we always go into stuff, and then you go, well, I wrote down everything else. <laughs> we actually covered a lot of what I have written down already. That's pretty new Yeah, for us. One of my notes, I was just telling Janelle, is literally just Six's facial expressions. <laughs> Which we did cover somehow. We sure did. Uh Normally we have like at least a part of the podcast where we talk about how the game is mechanically played, mm-hmm. but honestly, I cannot think of a single thing that is like, like we talked about, I don't like the sailing. You were pretty medium on the sailing. Mm-hmm. Janelle liked the sailing. Uh, and other than that, most of what you do is sort of like walk around and interact with objects. Like it's pretty bog standard adventure game stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't necessarily know that there's all that much to go into. Yeah, we already kind of mentioned how um, the actual translation parts worked mm-hmm. uh, towards the beginning. So uh, I wish that there was a move more quickly option. Oh yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Especially you walk pretty slow. Yeah, I know you got a bad lung or two. Canonically, <laughs> you got some yeah. shitty lungs. 
But I'm like, hey, maybe... You have shitty lung disease. Yeah, maybe we could pick it up a little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe. Like, I need to get to the other side of this courtyard. Because somehow, Six asks you a million times if you want to go back to the ship. And then the one time that you do want to go back to the ship, he doesn't ask doesn't you. Ask. So you have yep. to walk all the way to the other side of the courtyard at the university. And I'm like, Aaliyah, girl, you're an archaeologist. You're out there. You gotta move a little faster. The the farming planet was the worst for me because it's all these you have, It's like tiered. It's tiered mm-hmm. and like there are only ramps that go up and then you go all the way around and then up the other ramp. It was it was the the walking was dastardly slow. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kinda tied with the animation. So like the way the game looks pretty unique. Um I I kind of briefly alluded to it at the beginning, but um your, all the characters are 2D sprites, and the backgrounds are, like, 3D modeled. So you're, like, a 2D character walking through a 3D world. Looks pretty cool. And uh, when your character moves, uh, it's, like, a... How would you describe it? It leaves, like, a it's a blur of a blur of you as you walk. And I interpret it as, of like, echoes of the past, archaeology sort of thing. Um... But yeah, it looks cool, but like it, so like the kind of like the frame rate of your character, it, like it, I think it affects the speed at which you move, mm-hmm. like the way it's rendered. So I, I want to say that you are, that, that it has been explicitly said that you were correct on that. The, the ghosting of, of your character yeah, that's you a good walk way around, it. yeah, is supposed to reflect that this, uh, like there's a element of the plot where the people on Iox believe in this like ancient religion called I want to say it's called the loop the poop loop yeah yeah <sighs> I nailed it uh and with the loop it says that everything that has happened has happened before and everything that will happen has happened before and we just repeat the same cycle so having like your character almost appear in multiple places at once is sort of like an interpret like a, a metaphorical visual interpretation of that. So I think that you are just correct in that reading mm-hmm. of it. Um, the one thing I want to push back on is that it is good because <laughs> I do agree that it is unique in the way that it looks, and I like that element of it—the fact that it is sort of tied into the way that I that, that the game the store the world is set up right but i visually think it is a just a vomit inducing nightmare (laughs) like i hate how everyone looks i don't like the the fact that whenever any change is made it's just like a texture that they applied over top of the existing portrait like it to me it looks bad and it's like a purely aesthetic thing like it's a my own interpretation but mm-hmm. like i love some of the backgrounds and some of the objects and stuff like i think they they did a really good job the gods are all very evocative of what they're supposed to look like and then you have little paper cutout people fucking stumbling around like it's south park and it just like it doesn't sit right with me and like i don't think it's pretty that kind of a thing mm-hmm. like i don't think it's a big deal uh, and it didn't detract that much. Actually, I actually, if anything, kind of feel the opposite way, where I think the backgrounds look kind of like low poly and ugly, and I think the character illustrations are really great. But 
uh, I think we've, we talked about similar things before. Like I think both you and JJ disliked, uh, the, the pop-up book look of like Danganronpa. Mm. And like, I was into that as well. Like, I, I don't know. I like the storybook kind of aesthetic of having like the, the 2d people in the 3d world. The game would have had to have been extremely different to do 2D people in, with a 2D background, which I think is the way that it would look the best, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, I won't argue with that. Yeah. So I, I can see, like, this feels like a middle ground and a best of both worlds kind of situation, except I just don't like one of those For worlds. you, it's worst of both worlds. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of. But if they did a good job with some of it. Like, I feel like I have really strong visual memory of all of the uh the locations like i know i you could show me like a screen with no other context of just one of the places and i would be able to tell you where it was and generally where it fell in the story and i think that that's good there are a lot of games out there where a lot of shit just looks the same or a lot of it blends together and they did a really good job of of making the environments look unique and Mm -hmm. so i liked that part of it but yeah, that's it. Move move faster is our one uh-huh. mechanical yeah. note. Yeah. It, it would have been much better if you could move quicker. <laughs> or, or if there was like a, hey, you're in kind of a, a flat area that you've been in before. Press to accelerate. Yeah. Hell so yeah. Six picks you up. <laughs> and well, six also moves. Six moves so very slow. slow yeah. Uh, it's so funny to me because like. You have, like, a lot of the thing, like, a ton, a ton of the game's gating is, like, six can't go here because there are stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, like, I want to say that it is a uh, metaphor for why everything should be wheelchair accessible. It's 2020. (laughs) Get your shit together. Mm, Preach. Mm. Yeah. But it isn't. It's just six is on. They put the robots on weird treads, uh, mm-hmm. which makes him very capable of moving in some locations and very incapable of going anywhere that is man-made. Uh, and they use it a lot. And honestly, I make jokes, but it is like I think kind of a clever way of separating the two of you. Yeah, it it feels organic. Well, and there were moments that felt kind of like traditional puzzle gamey like in the uh the mining the abandoned mining village where he's like mistress i cannot get to you i'm like hold on six (laughs) and you have to like figure out how to move and manipulate the bridges to get him to a certain point and then get him so he can help you get to the higher level and you know so there is like a partnership kind of dynamic there that i was like oh this is like video gamey like, in this video game that I was, like, just kind of expecting to be matching glyphs and translating shit, I'm like, oh, here's a little puzzle. Like, hey, this yeah, is fun. Yeah, yeah. Pu- that counts as mechanics, too. Like, I think yeah. they do, they have a couple of, like, traversal-style puzzles. And, like, when you said uh, the planet with the god statues on it, you have to, like, lean the bookshelf up against the wall so mm-hmm. that six can get up that totally counts i was really resisting in my mind the interpretation that i hated six uh but you mentioned that mining puzzle and i remember when you <laughs> were get you to the frustrated it, with him <laughs> was i'm frustrated with six uh-huh. it's at the end of the the puzzle you get up to that top area where you this is like the big like pivotal moment of the game mm-hmm. where you meet the buried god 
and he's like, "Don't do, don't do fucking anything up there, because you are liable to just die horribly." And like, I'm looking at the like area, and I was like, "That's a ladder into a big hole in the ground." Fuck you, six. I'm going in. <laughs> I was excited to disobey him in that moment. So I don't know if that was like just a deep seated. Uh, hatred that I have for the robot, or if I'm just am excited about caves, both are true. No, I think I think the game wants you to chafe against six because Aliyah is very much like, fuck the university, fuck my Ari, I'm out here exposing truths, and they don't want to hear about it. And six is like the nanny who literally was hired by her surrogate mother to watch out for her and he has an ethical core that makes him insistent on her behaving rationally and she's like doing a sick kickflip off of a temple wall and being like eat shit six i go where i want (laughs) so like i think that there you are led to believe that she is impulsive enough to make those decisions and you as a player kind of are with her in that because you're like hell yeah the university doesn't want to know the truth. The truth is out there. I want to believe. And then you do a sick backflip into a hole, meet a god, and almost die. So, I mean, yep. it, it can Worth be both. It. <laughs> it can be that Six was correct, and also he's a bit chafing in his yeah. a desire to keep you safe. Yeah, I'd agree. It, it's a way they try to, like, align you and the player, or the player and the character um where yeah like she starts out at at least very like not wanting to do anything that six says and like walking ahead of him and him being like slow down and her being like no uh uh, you can wait in the ship if you have well you (laughs) you can wait in the freaking car if you have to um But, yeah, and then, so, and you get in situations like that, you're like, I want to explore this mining village, and Six keeps on, like, pulling my leash, mm-hmm. and it makes you want to, like, what puts you in her shoes and makes you want to, like, go down that well. Yeah, <laughs> go find down that the ladder. most dangerous yeah. hole and clamber the down mine it. The shaft, whatever Well, because is. technically, you could just say, well, okay, Six, and leave. Like, at any point. You yeah. don't have to meet the buried god, even though it's this super cool opportunity to literally talk to some kind of an entity that has the power to voip you from one moon to another and can intelligently respond to what you say to it, though still in writing, which... Yeah, that's the fucking wildest. Like, I understand that they wanted to... Uh make it a point to because one it's where you get the heaven's vault text um which is important for the game Mm -hmm. uh and so in order to to find in order to deliver that in a dramatically appropriate way they have it given to you by the the seventh god the buried god that is like sort of talked about uh by some people but like isn't generally accepted as a real thing and the way that it ties to you is like basically gashapon ball like drop out of its mouth and are like here read this <laughs> like it's it's like a it's like a spear or something that has the text printed uh and it doesn't speak like everything else does and i i'm sure that there is like an in universe reason for it but I like it, and it's a really satisfying 
like exchange when you're actually doing it but it is like in retrospect is a little strange that it would have like such a a specific written way of communicating i mean do we even know that this was a language that was spoken yes yes okay (laughs) (laughs) well so this is the part that i was the most hype about Mm -hmm. it's because there's a bit where you're in the office with Mayari. And she's like, oh, yeah, um, Renba uncovered some words that will, like, work for them. And they start speaking in this really weird language. And they start, oh, Six yeah. starts speaking. The robots do. And, yeah. and Aaliyah's like, that's Elberithian patois, which is another word for, like, a, a dialect that's very specific to a particular region. Like, a non-standard way of speaking. And so I was like, fuck yes, because that's the kind of linguistics that I worked on. Quick plug. The West Virginia Dialect Project, uh, Laboratory at WVU, looks specifically at spoken language and um, features of Appalachian English, specifically spoken in West Virginia. So what we would do is take recorded audio of interviews of people from more urban or more rural areas of the state who were from all different generations, education levels, and we would look specifically to see what kinds of language variations were happening when they speak. So, I mean, there, there weren't those kind of written components, like the whole linguistic basis of this game. So when we learned that Elberithians are speaking, this this very denigrated population, are actually speaking a form of ancient that has been sort of held over and maintained in this sort of isolated, quote-unquote, backwoods society. I was like, this is so cool, because that's what happens with languages. So, mm-hmm. like, specifically, like, a, a, a patois example would be, like, Creole English, where... The speakers aren't speaking French and they're not speaking Spanish, but they've adopted French and Spanish words into their dialect. So when they speak with each other, it totally makes sense. But we could go down there and be like, what the fuck are they saying? Like, it's not really English. Like, we get some of it, but it's 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 not something. There's another um, there's an island off the coast of North Carolina called Ocracoke, and it's only accessible by boat. I don't think there's, like, any airport or bridges to the mainland. And it's one of the only places in the world that has any kind of remnants of regularly spoken Elizabethan English. And it's mixed in with, like, some Native American. I don't remember the specific tribe there. An old, like, pirate language. And so this, like, very select group of people are speaking this language that other places in the world don't really speak anymore so i was hype as fuck i'm like Aaliyah has figured it out she's cracked the code we're gonna get some like spoken language in here and then it only sort of happened i was like god (laughs) fucking damn it but of course because i don't know if you guys took this path because i had already discovered the moon with the water cabenya machine on it that you eventually make the river that takes you to Heaven's Vault, Mm I had already done it. But once I learned that Elberithian Patois is a form of ancient, I'm like, I gotta go talk to the gate. And so, like, every five minutes, I'd be like, hey, gate, have I learned a word yet that I can talk to you with? And he's like, nah, dude. 
and then I'd come back and like just keep and and I talked to Huang and I talked to Mayari and I talked to Six until I figured out like the passcode word that I'm like this is gonna take me straight to Heaven's Vault and then it took me back to the fucking River Moon. Of course. I was like, son of a bitch. I wanted this to be the answer. I wanted this to be the thing. But uh, anyway, that was just something that I thought was really cool. Obviously, the kind, uh, the form of linguistics that they were centering their story around was all about the written and the glyphs and the sort of physical translation of things. But um, at least there was that kind of avenue of of spoken linguistic study. Before we get too far past it, uh, do you know the name of that dialect uh, from the... The island? That island. Yeah. Because mm. I'd love to hear that accent. Oh, if you just Google Ocracoke Island... Um, Ocracoke. Ocracoke. Okay. Um, also, fun fact, if you Google Ocracoke and see Walt Wolfram, because he studies, he's from um, NC State, he is my academic grandpappy. So his one of his mentees was my mentor so i met him once or twice he's really cool um but it's, it's the same kind of idea of studying dialects that are either stigmatized or overlooked so and that's something that i think is really cool is that this whole time in the story you hear about how elbereth is this like shithole backwoods like nobodies who are forgotten and overlooked by the empire but you learn that that's actually where the seat of power used to be they're still speaking a form of ancient that supposedly was eradicated from being written and spoken like it's it's this cool homage to the way that languages actually do evolve and when invading sort of groups come in and take over they think that they can wipe out and replace the language entirely but it never happens because these kind of pockets still hang on and that's why english is such a weird language because the britons moved around and migrated so much and picked up things and then transplanted it and then there's like roman in there and then for american english there's native american words and you know it's this whole thing of you know the way that languages are kind of adapted and changed and don't change um that i thought was really cool that they actually did pick up on it's not just oh, there's this dead language that's completely dead and she's just trying to kind of figure things out, but that actually languages don't, or very rarely, like, completely die. But there are pieces, bits and pieces, if you know where to look. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things that would be... Im- not impossible. It would be very difficult to sort of like bridge the gap between the two and make it part of the game. Yeah. I appreciate the door a whole lot because it does. It introduces it so early and you get an idea as to like what it is. And then just over the, 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 the cat kiss gate is what it is, mm-hmm. is the, the phrase it uses. And Use like the fact that it key that that's sort of like the key to the spoken language part of it. Uh, I think they did their best to to put it in as much as they could. Oh yeah, uh, no, but just didn't have a lot of opportunity. That's just my own personal like longing. Yeah. I right. feel like you should have totally been rewarded for interacting in the gate like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm but again, that's that's something that is very specific that I'm bringing to the table that I probably only a very few people would even think to want to bitch about but you know 
<laughs> here, here we are, and ladies. Take... Time to bitch. <laughs> you did. You took my one example of a patois in Creole English that that I oh, would yeah. have been able to, yeah. to say. Well, know? that's because I was like, well, what's my what's my example? What's my good example? And I'm like, oh, Creole. People mm-hmm. know about Creole. That's a thing. Um, yeah, people are familiar with that, at least. Yeah. I mean, and the only other thing that I could, if I wanted to be picky and, like, be like, well, is that you would very rarely see someone who is an archaeologist slash sociologist slash linguist who's out there in the field and in translating and whatever. And also that there's very little of the scientific method in what she's doing. She's like, hmm, there's a crown and there's a word on the crown that almost looks like holy. Well, the emperor must have been exiled to this moon and this was his crown. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's fine because it works for the game. It moves the plot forward. It allows those things to function. But just, you know, again, hearkening back to what I said at the beginning of whoever it was from Inkle that said, like, oh, we made a game that linguists are gonna hate. It's like, no, I didn't. I mean, obviously there are things that She's not, like, a quote-unquote real linguist. She's not a real academic, but it's a game. So mm. I had no problem with any of that, of course. Yeah. I think we just live in that cinema sins kind of culture where they're like, oh, a real linguist will play this and be like, this isn't anything what linguists is like, or uh, linguistics is yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I definitely read it as more of a linguist's hate-in. Yeah. This one this simple one weird, game. This one weird robot. Yeah. <laughs> linguist's hate-in. What's Aaliyah's secret? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. I think now is when we need to actually have a YouTube thumbnail. It just has, like, six on it and a fucking big arrow <laughs> pointing to it. <laughs> These circles. Scientists hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's he's uh, he's twenty five hundred years old. What's his secret? <laughs> uh, this okay. So this actually goes back like a million billion years in the podcast. Uh, the timeline is flying backward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Now open up that map. Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Chad just threw his controller across the room. He doesn't want to be on this river anymore. Why won't six take over? <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, speaking of throwing my controller across the room. I didn't get that mad, but I do want to call out because we skipped over it before, and this is unforgivable. Uh-huh. If you make a video game and you have a menu in the video game, let me use the fucking D-pad. The way that the 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 timeline works when you're in the translation section, if you use the D-pad, it will jump from the end of time to the beginning of time, and you have to use the analog stick to select things. And I did it. The whole game. Like, I never got used to it. I just kept jumping like an idiot. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, force of habit, I always tried to use the D-pad in the menu. And then was like, oh, got to watch that animation of the timeline. <laughs> but Rolling back. I-, yeah. I blamed that more on myself than I did on the game, personally. Mm, it's a systemic problem. <laughs> Does it, I think it, it doesn't even like have prompts on the screen like D-pad does this. Oh yeah, it has prompts. That. But that's like, I think that makes it okay. When you personally. hit pause in any other game, do you look for a prompt to tell you which no, control but, like, stick they had a, to use? They had a reason for why they designed it that way. Mm, it could have been mapped to shoulder buttons. I think that scrolled through different tabs on the map. But not the L2 and R2 buttons. That zoomed on the map. You just have to split it into two different interfaces. Let me use the D-pad. That's how video <laughs> games work. I want to talk about the plot of the game, and now I'm all riled up. 
Deep breathing. Deep uh, breathing. The thing your your emotional levels seem elevated, mistress. Is something wrong? <laughs> yeah, something. I accidentally pressed the D-pad again. You turn off your targeting computer. Uh, I'm noodling. All right. Yeah. Uh. But no, the thing that I wanted to mention was the plot of this game, I looked it up because I was going to mention it on the first half and then never did. Um, the how long to beat for this game is about 20 hours. And I had gotten the like master linguist and learned all the words achievements at like 12 hours, something like that, like a little over halfway through. And I became very concerned that the game was not going to continue to focus on language as it went through. Um, which worried me mostly just because, like, that's where I was having a lot of the fun. And all of the running around being like, uh, he, we found this, his boat crashed and he died because he was using fuel. And then I'll go report that to the, to Maori, and then she's gonna tell you to go do this thing, and then you go there. You oh found this. Let's go report this to some other person on a different planet. Uh, wasn't enrapturing. I wasn't a huge like I, I was not ensorcelled by this, uh, but the language was really keeping me going. It's like at that moment when I would have finished it, like when you get to the library and you're in like the final stretch, when the plot shifts from the story of like i mean it can you can still definitely focus on that stuff if it was really you know rustling you you but i i <laughs> i really pivoted toward the like the the telescopes and the ancient observatory and the heaven's vault parts of the the plot and that carried me to the end, and I found that stuff really fascinating and interesting. Uh, so I want to know, did how much importance did you guys put on the ancient stuff versus the modern day, like character driven plot stuff? Um, I guess for me, like I I I like all parts of this game kind of like in equal amounts personally i'm like that with like most games i don't know if that's unusual i feel like it is unusual on this podcast i feel like you <laughs> you and jj tend to like focus in on things but I, I like things usually more generally and i know a version of this game that was just the linguistics part would be really interesting and cool but i wouldn't like nearly as much like i like that there's an adventure game in here too that balances it out and i do think that the um the ancient mystery of the uh of the galaxy or the nebula uh whatever they call it um is the more interesting part like i i liked it all but like that's the where the story got particularly juicy like it, it worked out in the way that i think you're describing where it's like main chunk of the game like piecing together the language is the driving force and then once you've gotten the book and you're able to like kind of finish that up it gets into like the more interesting part of the story to carry you to the end okay i want to know what was in the book because like i said i ran out of oxygen right before i got oh, you the just book. couldn't get it yeah. yeah the way that the way that the scene plays out um 
is you go up to the book and it is chained to the pedestal that it's on Mm -hmm. and you can't remove the chain. Like you can try a bunch of different stuff, but you can't remove it. Um, And then the thing that you're standing on, like the second floor collapses. And when the floor collapses, you kind of like struggle to get up uh, and well, I guess what happened in mind, you like go up and then it falls and then you jump down and then you run out of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Like it's like scripted that you will run out of oxygen. And when you get back, six is like, oh, the chain broke and I brought the book back with you. And it's like this moment where you're like, oh, six, you're being useful <laughs> for once. Uh, <laughs> Just like always. <laughs> My beautiful, uh, beautiful son, how you've never failed me. And I love you so. Said I. The the book, from what I was able to translate of it... So the whole thing. The whole book is... (laughs) I mean, not all of it was, like, 100% set in stone. Uh But the book was mostly... It was a description of... I have two interesting things about this, and one of them really relates to something that podcast viewers will not get. Uh Uh-huh. But... The the book is essentially the description of the loop. It mm. says, like, in this book, we're going to talk... The things that happened in the past will happen again. The something-something. And then, like, there'll be all this... The, and then they start talking about the gods. And there are several paragraphs about the gods. And, like, what each of them do. I don't know if it goes into each of them. I remember specifically the sky god and the serpent god get pretty strong shout-outs. And it guides you to where Heaven's Vault is. Uh... But the beginning of the book also starts with, I think the literal very first line that you translate is like, everything in this book is true. And I was like, oh, I hate that you ha- you feel like you have to say that because I, I found an ancient book in an old, like in this old library that was literally chained to a pedestal that was on a map of the nebula that was stratus- stratified over three floors, like I'm going to assume it's true. <laughs> Why you got to tell me this? Well, and it goes on. And I think it's just literally to teach you words yeah. so that the rest of it can come together yeah, and make yeah, more it's sense. It's a way for you to like fill out the language. Cause it's long. Yeah. Like Chad was literally sitting there for like two hours translating the whole thing. Well, that's how and I felt. I, I did for maybe like 40 minutes. <laughs> well, that's how I felt at um, a couple of the inscriptions at the Heaven's Vault site. It was like, oh, oh here's a ruin. And I was like, oh, sweet. Probably an inscription in here. And it was like, and I was almost like, son of a, like, I almost rage quit. And I'm, you know me, yeah. hardcore gamer. That was the, who who that loves to rage ruin. quit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it just didn't stop. It just kept going. I'm like, there's no way. And I never, I didn't finish it. Like, I put it my best, I. I put my best guesses in there and was like, well, okay. But, yep. um. It was, that was the final boss of the game. Was that, was that ruin yeah. inscription. That was like three miles long for no reason. Yeah, that's one, like, kind of clunky frustrating thing that we haven't mentioned yet um is that when you're filling in like long phrases it takes a lot and you have to like put in all the pieces and you have to like 
notice every little thing and put in every little like comma or every little squiggly line even though you know you don't think that those go there right it makes you put it all in and then it's just like nope this was wrong and it only crosses off one word yep. so then you have to do it all again and it's like nope this was wrong and it crosses out one more word and then you do it all again <laughs> yeah that's the thing that i want to know what the mechanical cutoff point was there because i feel like there are times when you get an inscription and you look at it and she goes i'm not gonna be able to figure this out and it just banks it it's like this is for later yeah i feel like that only happened to me like two or three times yeah and there were a bunch of times when i i literally felt like it would be like two words it would be like three (laughs) symbols and i would put in the symbols and it would be like nope uh, that's not right. They crossed this one out, and I went and put it in, filled in everything else with the stupid little things. It's like, nope, that one's not right. And I was like, there isn't a combination of these things. Like, why are you fucking with me right now? Yeah, it's gotta have something to do with like the percentage of words you know, and like, um, as we were talking about, like building up like word families. Like, you don't have enough words with this symbol in it to be able to do this, right? And- um, yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, it did seem kind of like spotty. It just trying to teach you the uh, tedium of academic research and development. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you must have hit the master linguist achievement before I did. Because I felt like, for me, it was much more of like a sandwiching of the language. Like, first, obviously, you encounter, at least I did, Cabenya first the water goddess mm-hmm. and so like there was that and i knew that there were like either six or seven gods and then like you encounter the serpent god so i'm like okay i'm learning more about kind of this whole thing and then you know like so i i feel like i was kind of maybe doing it more as i went which maybe would have been i don't i mean i don't know it seems like you didn't have a problem with it but it seemed it's, like it's you, the you book's fault yeah like me me getting the book like and you not getting the book would have just changed right at that moment like mm-hmm. it was a huge precipitous drop off yeah. in the amount of opportunities that you would have had to learn language opposed to my playthrough when I did have the book so that that's really what like I'm sure that we played it at least similarly yeah from what I've heard, you've definitely put in you put in a lot more reps as far as like getting ev- like everything that you could in the places that you could, and I got the che- I got the the liposuction yeah. version of weight loss for the uh, uh, for the language, which was just finding that book and getting a million words for free. And by oh. for free, I mean in two hours. <laughs> yeah. But what I was gonna for the say low, low price of two hours of your life. But about the everything in this book is true type thing, Mm -hmm. if you get N.K., the empress, at one point you ask her about the loop and you're like, hey, what's up with the loop? And she's like, oh, that's bullshit. The robots made it up to appease the humans because the humans had such an issue with the thought of dying that the robots were like, no, it's okay. Not only will you be reincarnated, everything will repeat itself exactly. As, I like as, a, that, as a way of like placating them so f- the fact that it is in the book like everything that we are about to tell you is fucking real to me is like <laughs> just a way of being like you know it's an atheistic kind of interpretation of any religious text if you've just been told 
Jesus Christ is a lie. And then it's like everything in the Bible, which I'm about to tell you about, is so true. It's just a way of you being like, okay, so this is another part of the culture that I have come to learn is... And it's the same thing with the Heavens Vault story. Um, You said something about the first time that you see Heaven's Vault being with the buried god. I can't remember. I feel like maybe there was something I found earlier. Somehow. I could be wrong. But it was either right around that. Somehow I asked Huang and then I asked Mayari for the story. But it's the same thing because we come to learn that Heaven's Vault is real. But it was turned Mm. into something completely different. Like, the bones of the story are true, but through the ages, it was transformed into, like, this allegorical sort of children's story. So that... Which is... Yeah, no, that is accurate. I, I just wanted to praise that the game does that. Like, it actually does take the story and make the... The version that modern people know, like the Heaven's Vault that people are aware of in this society, is transformative. Like, it's a totally different... It has, like, a moral to it. Like, it's they, they say it's a children's story and stuff like that. It, 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 it really is like that, whereas in any other video game that you play, the story would just be word-for-word word accurate to exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the ancient uh, yeah. legends say. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, so I need the three golden objects to do right. the thing. The three golden artifacts to yeah. open Heaven's Vault. So Heaven, like the fact that Heaven's Vault is like apocryphal is a huge fucking deal as far as like the believability of the way language and, and, and narrative works in right. this game. Exactly. But but to me that's the same thing with the loop, where the loop has turned into this of course the loop is real. Of course. It's what our grandmothers believed in and our grandmothers' grandmothers and so on and all the way back. But eventually there was a source of that, whether it was mm. fact or as at least what the former empress will have you hear. Like, nah, that's all bullshit. And I'm like, well, you were there. So probably going to believe <laughs> you over this dusty tome that insists on telling me everything I'm about to tell you is 100% true. Yeah, and it, it gives the um, the, the game like an interesting kind of tone too, because I I feel like on the market moon, the one that's up like the top left of the map, um, Renaki. Yeah, it, it's, a it's lot pro- of the people are like real. It's pronoun city over here. I got yeah. you. Special names, no problem. Yeah, I thought about like finding a list to write them all down, but it's hard to look up stuff about this game. Oh yeah. So I did not do that, but I feel like a lot of the people there are really adamant about the loop. Like, I feel like they bring it up there a lot. And especially like, I think it's like the, the robot junk dealer's daughter is very like religious. Um, so like, it just, it gives that like an interesting tone of like how, like they almost kind of don't believe it. Uh, but they're like, kind of like comforting themselves by like knuckling down on it. Well, it's become a cultural institution at this point. It's just... Yeah, like, they think that, um, sorry, but, um, <laughs> that, 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 like, sailing, like, is, like, a sin or something, like, leaving the planet. It corrupts your soul. You, 
Yeah. Because you guys had a lot more dialogue in this planet than I did. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Basically, <laughs> I the... didn't know that he had Chad a daughter. runs past enemies. <laughs> Chad runs past uh, NPCs. I bought a gecko though. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, you got you got an achievement that I didn't. Grats. And, oh, hey. I, hey, Grats. I also didn't buy the gecko. <laughs> but um, basically, the thought is that when they're waiting to be reincarnated souls dead souls go out into the rivers so if you sail your soul will be corrupted by all of the dead souls that are out out on the rivers and you will be you will have an impure soul and so if you stay put your soul will be pure is i guess <laughs> the point um but yeah i mean it it, it i think it deals the game deals with time in an interesting way the way that things are stretched and manipulated and change over time and i mean it kind of leads us into the big final question for me which was what was your final decision which is you know do to you vault or not to vault did you vault which is i chose not to vault and alia gives this whole speech at the end about how like decay is inevitable like everything has to die eventually like there is a natural end and things will progress and like as her job as an archaeologist see she's seen that kind of thing firsthand and so to me like that made the most sense and also because why the fuck would i want to get my ass launched to who knows where with me and a robot who is not even my precious son anymore <laughs> she's just some empress um but it sounds like, based on what you said earlier, Chad, about Six being the only robot in the galaxy, that you chose to vault. Yeah, I, I had the nebula meet a very unnatural end uh, <laughs> as I dried up all the rivers and flew away into the stratosphere. Um, no, yeah, I, I chose to vault. Um, I talked to Andy about him and his decision uh, at the end. And sort of, like, what led him to make that choice. And we actually either chose different dialogue or had different things happen in our playthrough that each led us to our own conclusion about what would be the best option. Mm -hmm. um, and when I talked to Six, because he was the... He had transformed into the eagle that was going to tell me how to vault. Mm -hmm. Uh he was like, I, I asked, I think the, the order of the questions was, I was like, what happens if we vault? And it's like, we'll suck up all the rivers and like everyone here will just die soon. Like you're basically taking all the resources from this nebula, packing them into a ship and going to start over somewhere else. Because in order to vault, it had to have like identified another viable location in space um so like i was assured that what what would happen is that would they would die and then we would make new people somewhere else <laughs> and i was like what happens if we don't vault and he's like the rivers will eventually run out and everyone will die just the same and i was like well let's just get this party started then. <laughs> like he was like we would be the last two people alive i was like okay so i'm alive <laughs> Because before, if I didn't vault, I would be dead. 
because I'm stuck on this planet with no recourse and I'm dying of, of shitty lung disease. Uh, so I took, I took the arguably selfish option to kill the galaxy and leave. <laughs> I might be misremembering it, but like, I don't think I was told that if I didn't vault that I would die. <laughs> right. Because you, you, do, you just you, leave. Yeah. If you you had another way to get off the planet, didn't you? I, I can't remember exactly, but you do leave and it's like all the rivers are restored. Oh, by the way, I did not vault. Uh, <laughs> if that wasn't clear. But well, um, unless, unless you do, you do, it's implied that you just leave the planet. Well, but unless you had something unlocked that i missed when you go to heaven's vault there are no return rivers you create a river to heaven's vault outside of where any of the rivers can reach and so you land on the planet and you're done uh i mean if you choose not to vault it releases the rivers giving you a path Mm -hmm. back but i mean i you know there's no guarantee that that was going to happen when you land on the planet your assumption is you are going to die there so it is kind of the most selfless option unless i mean you know that it has taken up like 60 percent of the nebula's rivers and like that's why the rivers are disappearing so you can kind of infer that if you shut the vault down it will re-release the rivers but there's still no guarantee that that will take you back I sure didn't infer that. <laughs> oh, really? Well, because well, because you know that it's been saying like the darkness is coming, the darkness is spreading, and mm-hmm. when you talk to people, you learn that like yeah, rivers have been drying up, and we don't really know why. And the the eagle being in the vault says like we are at sixty percent capacity. If we continue to like, we have to continue to absorb the rivers in order to vault, but then releasing the rivers will be irreversible like they will not be able to if they release them regain what power they had so basically you you get one chance do not miss your chance to vault this opportunity comes once in a lifetime you better vault (laughs) yourself once in a loop yeah i uh yeah i chose i definitely i i did i knew about that stuff i think my assumption was that it would not repopulate the rivers if I stopped it now. I thought it would just stop, like, where it's at. Mm. Um, I don't know if they ever used the word, like, release with me. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, either way, I did. I chose to relink the flame, Dark Souls, and <laughs> and send send us into a new... God damn it, you could not of... control yourself for one fucking episode. You knew I was going to be we here. we have this... This Soulsian... You knew I was going to be here, and you had to drop the Dark Souls reference. You had to do it. We made a joke... uh, We made a joke when we were were talking about the endings. Mm -hmm. um, That... Because the whole idea, like, the cyclical... Timeline and making a decision at the end, whether to perpetuate it or to end it, is a thing in Dark Souls as well. No, I know! That that it's like Dark Souls. (laughs) Uh, and Chad could not. You're right. He could not contain himself from making it on the podcast. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have not happened. 
game least likely to be compared to Dark Souls. Not Heaven's Vault. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't... I, as far as I'm aware, none of the possible endings really give you much of an epilogue. Uh, they want you to play New Game Plus. And this is a 20-hour game, and we were doing it for the podcast, so I did not yeah. play New Game Plus uh, in order to get more context for it. But I did do a little bit of reading, and I think in the end I like my decision as far as the implications for the story go. This goes. Well, because presumably New Game Plus, would you just loop back and do everything all over again? Yeah, the I, I believe they want it to read like New Game Plus is a new loop where you, re- because you retain your knowledge of Ancient as like the carryover. So as you go through and I guess they've put in, there's like differing dialogue. People will uh, like talk about like, oh, well, you've been here before, whereas you did it in your first playthrough, but you weren't there in this one. So you know mm-hmm. about stuff. So it's treated a little bit differently. It's like your character has a different backstory in New Game Plus as opposed to in regular game. Regular. <laughs> regular game regular game normal. vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> regular game minus. Yes, yeah, regular game. New game minus. Vanilla game. Huge. Vanilla bean game. Latte. Uh, Extra whip. What? <laughs> Um, well, no, yeah. I mean, so, I don't know. I think it's cool. I mean, there, I, I actually could see myself picking this game back up just because I want a full ancient dictionary. Damn it. Like, there are words I know <laughs> are out there that I did not finish because obviously, maybe I will just continue to loop this game until I can fully and confidently translate that goddamn elegy on the wall of <laughs> yeah, the ruin. The, the- at Heaven's Vault. It's such a small brick building <laughs> that has a seven mile long transcription on it. It makes no sense. It's probably just like the ramblings of a madman too. <laughs> like it, it doesn't actually say anything meaningful. Or it's it's like a teenager. Like, it's like propaganda. Like the emo equivalent of writing like song lyrics to My Chemical Romance on your bedroom wall as an angsty teenager. It's like... <laughs> some like real hardcore thoughts about the sky god what if it just really is my chemical romance lyrics <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first verse of dead is just inscribed on this wall welcome to the black parade when i was yeah. a young boy a young boy the sky god <laughs> took me into the vault to, this... <laughs> to see a bunch of robots i don't know do we have anything <laughs> Do we have anything that we want to hit before we uh, we 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 press further? I just want to say, an embarrassing amount of times did I accidentally refer to this game as Heaven's Gate, which is a cult <laughs> that killed themselves mm-hmm. because they thought that they would ascend to an alien spaceship that would take them to another layer of existence. And I'd be like, "Yes, yeah, so the Haley's Comet thing." That's uh, what I was gonna ask. I think, I think so. It is, yeah, but, I think they had yeah. a, a thing with Haley's comment. Yeah, um, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, Daniel, I'm gonna play Heaven's Gate." And Daniel's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> Don't drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> you, you right? 
that that's not the name yeah. of this one. Did you or did you not drink the Kool-Aid at the end? <laughs> yeah. Did you or did you not ascend to the next heavenly lair? I'm going to uh, make a boot up Jonestown. Uh, <laughs> on that note. The cult genre. Uh, yes, on that note. Uh, do we have final thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm breaking the cycle. <laughs> yeah, if if uh, if anyone from Inkle is listening, um, there's one ex linguist assistant. I hesitate to call myself a linguist for real, but you know, a a semi a semi retired linguist. Um, thought the game was delightful and refreshing, and we're kind of a soft science. We're not like a a chemistry or a biology. You know, when whenever you deal with people and, and culture and those kind of sociological things, it, it tends to get a little squishy. And we're kind of a misunderstood discipline. So honestly, I, I think most linguists would be hype as hell that, you know, uh, uh, an artistic sort of genre like a video game company would want to sort of take on this idea and and, and play with play with it in that space. And um yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really cool game. It's, it's been on my radar for a long time, and um, I thought it was incredibly relaxing, even the bits where I was noodling around in the river, especially the bits when I was noodling around in the river. Um, yeah, so I, I do recommend, and I am excited to see if it actually does end up on the Switch at some point in 20. Because <laughs> I think that would be, I think Switch would be a actually really fun way to play this game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Touchscreen would be nice to have to like move the words into the slots. Oh yeah. But um yeah, I like this game a lot. Um I saw it on that list years ago and I thought it looked really cool, but I was like skeptical or not, not that's not the right word, but I was like wondering whether or not it would be lean more like educational almost or like be like really focused on the like uh translating the ancient language part and like less so on like the video gamey adventure stuff and it struck a really nice balance for me which i uh lived up to like my expectations of like what i wanted out of it like it was a nice blend um and so yeah i was really happy with it um it's given a lot of props like there's not there's no like combat in it and that's really rare that you get games that have like a conflict that doesn't um, involve combat of some kind. And it's really hard to design for that stuff because it's such untread ground. So I give this game a lot of props. Uh, they, could they actually manage to make like a really engaging word translation system? Uh, that's really fun to work through. And they had a, crafted a cool world to put it in. Um, it, it is... A bit rough around the edges, uh, steering the boat, uh, as we said, could be clunky. And even there are some parts with like the camera and like moving around the world that would be a bit clunky at times. But overall, like that's not enough to really bring it down for me. Uh, I like this a lot and uh, really enjoy my time with it. Genuinely unique game. Like we haven't talked about anything like this. And as the podcast goes on, I value that more and more. So wait, Andy, big thumbs up. 
for me. Andy, you didn't unlock the secret combat ending where you fight Professor Mayari <laughs> with katanas in the Iox courtyard. You you pick six up and you throw them over the the edge. <laughs> These I don't know if everybody else did this, but you can fight the kid with the fire poker. Oh yeah, you do hit him with a stick. What? <laughs> or whatever. No. The kid comes at you with a sword, and one of the options is to draw the fire poker. And I was like, yeah, on guard. I did the same thing. He never came at me. You scare him. He didn't come at me. Oh, wow. No. You were better at dealing with children than us. That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, too, liked this game. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I didn't know anything about this game uh, when it was suggested. Uh, I was not looped in on on the discussion of this game when it originally came up. Looped. And uh, I was not the looped in. (laughs) And I enjoyed the majority of it. I think I played this in fairly long individual sessions. It kind of fell over that, like, wintry doldrums, like, where I was kind of just, I'll just spend seven hours not moving and (laughs) and doing this and that quarantine life yeah (laughs) and i felt like my thoughts while i was playing the game scattered all over the place but always looped back around looped again um it to the language and how sort of me trying to piece together how they managed to fit this into the game in a way that made sense and that's kind of where I want to let my final thoughts fall, is I'm really impressed, genuinely very, like, academically impressed with how well they managed to make this work. Um, like, just an example, one of the things that stupidly floated into my mind was, uh, like, I remember translating the word snake and being like, the fact that they have a translation for the word snake means that in this science fiction boat space universe, mm-hmm. snakes exist. Like, just regular-ass snakes that are, they slither around, they go, mm-hmm. like, is a real thing here. And that, like, I started seeing, like, patterns, and it's like, oh, all of these other things that are, like, the parts that they had to draw from the real world to make this world unique but still close enough that the language made sense and wasn't impossible to translate because it was completely foreign, like a Star Wars language or something. Like, just kept... My mind was blown over and over again, IGN.com. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. I That is enough for me to recommend this game to, like, anyone who's interested in, in just unique, unusual stuff. Also, it's from the same developer who made 80 Days, which was a really interesting phone game. And if you did play this game and liked it, I could recommend 80 Days. I think this game is more playable to me. Uh, But if you're not like me and have patience uh, and are smart, then you can play 80 Days and it'll probably be really good. Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Hey. Oh, I was going to ask what you're talking about next time. But, you know, <laughs> it reaches, we reach the same point. So, you know, don't worry about it. Tell me what we're next talking time, about next we're... time. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh.
Uh, next time we're gonna be talking about no more heroes because we're sick of heroes. <laughs> yeah, it's a um an action like a third person action hack and slash kind of style game in the vein of something like a Devil May Cry or God of War kind of. <laughs> um, but it was on the Wii. And it made use of, like, you know, waggling the Wii around. But we're going to be playing the Switch version, which you can use a regular controller for. And, uh, yeah, it's like a very tongue-in-cheek action hack-and-slash game from, like, 2010 or something. Yeah, we thought, what would be the most opposite game from Heaven's Vault? And this is what we landed Mm -hmm. on. So, uh Hopefully you'll join us for that. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or splattershot.pro, where you can find uh, links to our YouTube, to our Twitter, to the Discord. You can listen to all of our old episodes like Word Games. Did we do any of these? Um, You can listen to most similar things. You can listen to episodes that I was on. Like the recent like Jackbox. episode 100. Jackbox. Uh, Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. You can listen to the episode. Life is Strange too. Yeah, you can listen to the episode that I wasn't on, but should have been on. Return of the Oprah Den. <laughs> An excellent game. <laughs> I had so many good thoughts about that game. The world will never know because no one asked me. Oh, and if you're interested in learning some more about the kind of linguistics works that I used to do, you can check out the West Virginia Dialect Project. I think it's just WV Dialect dot com um headed up by kirk hazen really cool organization doing stuff back in the homeland dub v um and if you're interested in looking up anything about the ochre coke brogue um you can check out anything that you uh google from ochre coke brogue or specifically things that the uh stuff out of the nc state linguistics lab that they were doing recently um while we're from kirk hazen I, I feel like nothing in the history of the world has needed spelled more than, than Ocracoke. If you're going to tell people to get no, right. can That's you just a word that you could type into Google and it could you could figure it out? It is O C R A C O K E Ocracoke. Wow. Exactly how it sounds. It's uh-huh. literally phonetic. Yeah, I would not have expected that. Um. Oh, I mean, if you are looking for some other pop culture fun linguistics things, um, there's a linguist called Gretchen McCullough, and she uh, does a lot with internet linguistics. So things like emojis or um, acronyms and sort of internet speak. It's not all like stuffy prescriptivist grammatical stuff. Like there's actually some really cool pop culture linguistic stuff out there. So if you played this game and are interested in you know, poking around out there, I do recommend Gretchen McCullough, and there's a whole wealth of stuff out there about, uh, you know, different kinds of um, patois, dialectical variations, non-standard English, Have et more cetera. than one example of a patois the next time that you talk about <laughs> language. <laughs> Come more prepared than I did. <laughs> Listen, that's why you had me on. Come on. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> All right, Chad. I've got this strange artifact. Uh-huh. I think it's got these runes on it, and I think they translate to "smash that like button." <laughs> you can be sure of your <laughs> your translation of "smash" now. 
All right, yeah. All right, we did it. All right, woo! Good job, everyone. Oh. All right. Save that recording. All right, all right, all right. Time to do the No Clip Podcast. Let's talk about ladies.